Well, welcome to the Christchurch living room. Um, so we, we do a Sofa Sunday occasionally because we just feel like people learn in different ways and sometimes it's good to have more than one voice on a topic. Um, so instead of a sermon, we're just going to have a little discussion. Um, and the topic is raising faith. It's how can we, as a church, how can we um, be with our children and young people um, so that they will grow up and please, Lord, have a faith that lasts their whole lives. Um, and there's a part for all of us to play in that. Um, the other thing to say at this point is please don't think that anyone's up here because they think they're perfect parents or they're experts on this at all. Um, we are trying to do it just the same as, as everyone else here, and making mistakes and having some small victories along the way. So, um, so no one's perfect. So let's just introduce the panel. Um, so I've, I kind of represent the primary years, really. So Andy and I have two boys who are five and eight next week. Um, so we are very much in the thick of primary years. Then this is, um, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yep. I'm Graham. I used to be married to Karen. Next <laughs> 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 13, both. Oh, sorry, 15 tomorrow is good enough. Uh, and out there somewhere doing what I do. Great. So you're in the thick of teenage, yeah. the teenage sure. years. Um, and Karen, as well as being a parent and a, a member of Christchurch, you also run Life and Soul. Do you want to tell us very briefly? Yeah, Life and Soul um, works with children and young people aged 0 to 25, uh, young homeless teenage parents, and then um, kids in primary and secondary school. Great. And Tim and Jan, this is our vicar and our director of children's work. They're also <laughs> husband and wife. And how old are your children? Well, it seems like we've all got uh, 29 and 27, so they're grown up now and um, both married and living independently, so... Um, we're looking back on that now. Yeah, great. Okay, well, we're going to do this discussion in um, four sections. So we're covering why raising faith matters. We're going to have a little chat about the pressures on children and young people. Um, we're going to look at what can a parent do. So if you are a parent here this morning, or a grandparent, or a godparent, or auntie and uncle, or you have children in your lives, what, what can you do to help this? And then finally, what can we all do? So it might be that you're sitting there this morning thinking, well, I don't have children, or um, you know, this is not relevant to me absolutely is because we really want to look at what can all of us as a church do um, in this on this topic okay so first why raising faith matters um, I guess the first question is why are we doing uh, a sofa Sunday on this topic why is it so important well I must admit I'm very passionate research um, that has been done by lots of Christian organizations in the, re in the last couple of years and they've been concerned about the fact that there's declining numbers of children in many, many churches across our lands. Maybe not noticeable here, but it is noticeable across um, different denominations across the UK. And in this research, they found out that 42% of Christians today will attribute their faith to having grown up in a Christian home. While that is... One fact, the other fact is that over 50%, they reckon 50% of the children who are growing up in Christian homes will not be keeping their faith as an adult. So that's quite a shocking figure, isn't it? So it means that, for example, our children here, maybe only 50% of them will be Christians when they're um, independent adults. And... Um, the other fact that I found very helpful is the fact that um, if you think about how many hours we as um, children's church, Kingdom Kids, have to teach children at church, it's just one hour a week. 
a very small amount of time compared to the amount of time those children are at home with parents. And research shows that um, the keeping their faith is, unsurprisingly, parents. So parents are the biggest one, followed next by church leaders. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Christian friends comes next. Youth leaders after that. And then Sunday school leaders. So that is the hierarchy of influence that we have on children. And the other fact that I found really interesting is the fact that many parents in churches today feel ill-equipped. They don't know how to do that at home. They don't know what to do. So today, we're going to look at that and hopefully give you some hints and some ideas that might help you as parents. I think the reason it's important is because in that passage we had read from Deuteronomy, um, most of us would, would, I'm sure, say, yes, absolutely, of course we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and, and our strength. Of course we should. We believe that. But that same command to do that also says that we need to talk to our children about our faith and be helping them to grow their own faith. It isn't something that is an option. It's a command, if you like, along with the commands to love God. And I think it's worth saying, of course, we're not responsible for the outcome of that. But I, I, I hear parents in central London I remember having a conversation with some parents that said, well, we think it's important that we're neutral. Um, we don't want our children to, to be coerced into the Christian faith. Um, and I absolutely agree. There's nothing any of us could do. We should not bully, force, or coerce. You can't make your children have faith. Of course you can't. But I absolutely disagree that parents should be creating a neutral environment for your children to be free to choose faith or not. It's not neutral out there. You know, our kids, even if you try to limit their screen time, Google are tracking their online movements. They are targeting them with advertising. The culture out there is not neutral if you think that we're wanting to give our kids a free kind of rate, they're not free at all. They're being completely bamboozled by stuff out there that we have no control over. Things that they're seeing online, things that we might wish they didn't see. And we're foolish if we think that it's just neutral and that we therefore want to let our children make their interests. People are trying to force and coerce them in every conceivable way, at school, through social media, in every way. And I think that's worth saying. And my final point... We, we, Jen and I have made a will, and um, we would love our children in some way to benefit from the work of our labors. Now, if they're listening to this online, don't get your hopes up, kids. Because yeah. uh, I'm a vicar. And, um, but, but we want our children to benefit, and we want our children to share an inheritance. You want to hand down an inheritance. And I think most of you wouldn't just take it to chance. I wouldn't just think, well, I sure hope that my kids get some of the money when it's all done and dusted. I just hope so. No, we've made a will to try and ensure that. But the Bible says that your faith is more precious than gold. Why wouldn't you want to try and secure an inheritance for your children when it comes to faith? And I am sometimes surprised, not, not from people here, but I'm surprised out there and I hear parents sort of saying, oh, well, you know, it's not really my kind of, it's not my. Listen, you can't force the outcome of our children. None of us can. 
But that doesn't mean we do nothing and that we shouldn't be passionate about trying to do what we can to leave our children an inheritance of faith. Um, if you're doing it with your money, why are we doing it with our faith? Oh, I pray that we are. Yeah, that's great. And, and then I guess the next question is, why are we talking about this on a Sunday morning? We could just do a little parents thing, you know, in a corner. And for people who are interested, why are we doing a whole Sunday morning on this? Why is it that important for all of us? The answer to that question is it takes a whole church to raise a Christian, doesn't it? It's not just about individual families, but it's about all of us at Christ's church making uh, our church a place where children feel comfortable, children feel um, accepted and loved, they feel valued as equal members. And all of us here, we're probably grandparents, we're probably aunties and uncles, we may be godparents. I suspect all of us have children in our lives um, somewhere. And we, as Christians, we can have an influence on those children that we know by the way that we interact with them and by the way that we model our faith in front of them. So it is relevant to us all. And the research, just to finally mention this research, um, again, children receiving positive multi-generational input from the wide the wider family of the church is one of the top factors mm. that research shows influences children to continue with their faith. So um, what do we mean by that? We mean um, just treating children as equal and valuable members of our church. We interact with them. We don't look down at them. We don't um, always put them in another room where we're not um, all together. That is one of the reasons we start all together as a church family. We worship together with the children, and that's a really important value to us um, here at Christ Church. Yeah, just also and that passage from Deuteronomy. Um, I think today we sort of like read it on my own Bible. I take it into my own living room, in my own home, and I imagine that it's God speaking to me through Deuteronomy in my own home, to me, in my house. These, the, this was written to a community. I mean, the people that first heard these words from Deuteronomy, they, they, most of them didn't read. They couldn't write. They were hearing it read to them by the elders of their community. And when it says, your children, nobody heard that as my children. They heard that as the children of, of the community, our children, of which all of us have a part to play. That's the context of Deuteronomy. You can't make this about my little thing. This was about your children, meaning the children who belong to the faith community. Um, and so it is something that all of us, therefore, has a responsibility in order to pray for and to be involved with. That's great, actually. It's quite encouraging to think we can come along on a Sunday morning and all have a part to play in it, even with just how we interact with the children and young people that are here. Okay, so that's why it's important. Um, let's move on to thinking about some of the pressures um, that face children and young people today. Karen, I mean, particularly you, um, running Life and Soul, you deal with, um, you guys all deal with young people. Yeah. Share with us, this might be quite shocking for us, but, you know, share with us some of the pressures that are, you know, if we want to face up to the reality that are facing our children and young people. Sure. Um, one of the projects that um, we do is called Connect Mentoring. Probably see it in the window. And we see about 55 kids a week, one-to-one -one every week. And um, I've seen three kind of distinct areas of pressures. And I'm not going to say social media. One of the drugs, like alcohol mm. and like, you know... Um, drugs it's just another drug and so I think it's really irresponsible of us to blame it purely on social media 
because that's just kind of an, an outlet, as it were. What I would say, the three pressures that face, the first one I would say is time, um, quality time. Um, that there's so little quality time for our young people, one-to-one, -one, um, that we're not creating. And so if they're self-soothing themselves with social media, as we do, um, or as a distraction, we're not creating the space for them in the noise of life. Mm. And life is very noisy with clubs and um, just busyness, pressures, you know, work and... Um, yeah, we're, we're not creating the space. And, and we dedicate like half an hour one-to-one -one with these young people each week, each, each child. The two um, things that we see um, really prevalently. And just that half hour, um, we're seeing kids stay in education because they've got half an hour of face-to-face -face time a week. A week. Half an hour a week. And I remember years ago that we, um, um, I did a parenting course um, to try and help our young homeless kids. And, um, and that parenting course said, um, if you could give your child 10 minutes, one-to-one -one a day, just 10 minutes, it will have a profound effect. And it goes against the grain to say that um, that uh, training also said, even at the expense of another child, if it's one-to-one, -one, so dare to let one child feel left out to have dedicated one-to-one -one time with the other because that child receives 100% of your time and then the next time the other child re will receive 100% of your time. So I'd say that's the first pressure is just time, giving time. The second one I would say is fear. Um, fear of missing out, not measuring up, not feeling accepted, not good enough, um, just not measuring up, you know. And I felt it here, you know, like fear that we are failing as parents on a daily basis, you know. Um, but fear is a big driver and, and social media reinforces that. In time with our kids, then we can make them feel accepted and loved. And then the third thing I would say is a huge pressure on our young people is over sexualization of society. And I would dare every single one of you to what you all of the information you need as to what is acceptable to our young people today. It's really, really tough being a teenager, but they are gorgeous individuals, as much as they drive us crazy. Um, they are really, really gorgeous, and they face incredible pressures. Mm. So, yeah. That's so helpful, thank you. Um, do you want to add anything? <laughs> I, I think um, I think what we're talking about here really is a, is a culture isn't it? We, we, our children are immersed in a culture that actually is no longer necessarily guided by socio, well, certainly, certainly Christian Judean uh, mm. values. And, and we can think that we give our kids maybe a once-in-a-while pet talk or, um, you know, our children were given a leaflet. And I was furious when they were 16. They came home from school with a leaflet on, it was just called How to Have Safe Sex. And we thought, unbelievable that you've reduced one of the most beautiful things for people to experience within marriage, and you've reduced it to whether it's safe or dangerous. And I remember sort of feeling so angry that my children were being sent home with this um, document. And I think, I think therefore, it's, it's not enough to give children pep talks or a culture is, is our home. Our home, we get to create a counterculture, the culture that we want, where our kids can be immersed in the, the, the values that we believe are important. Um, and therefore, it matters that parents are strong about those values and that we reinforce them constantly. 
because our children then can have that kind of sense of an, an alternative culture within the home. Um, and that's something that, that we've tried to do. We try to let our family see us making decisions. We talk about going on holiday. Where are we going to go on holiday? And we didn't just ask the children. We would, we would then say, let's pray and ask the Lord. We would ask the Lord if it's okay with him if we spend money. If we were going to thinking about traveling abroad, we don't think that's our decision because that's expensive and um, it's, you know, so we would always say, let's ask the Lord if it's okay to do that. And our kids would pray around the, the table with us at the breakfast table and they'd pray, Lord, is it okay if we go on holiday to do this? We involved them in key decisions when we were moving and doing things. We asked them, well, let's pray because we're thinking of doing this. So I think creating that culture, every opportunity, letting your children in on how you're doing life with, with Jesus, I think that's really important. Yeah, I'd absolutely echo that. And you know, I think we, we learned very quickly uh, that your children are a mirror to your, to your own actions and words. Uh, just a kind of slight aside, I know Tim loves the sides because it's going to add some time. Um, I was on the train, on, uh, I had to kind of clear my computer of all the information and photographs on it the other day. Uh, and I kind of found all those kind of hidden sort of photographs and videos that you have of your kids off, you've downloaded off your phone at some point. And I just kind of found myself half laughing, half in tears on the train, blobbing like a, a messy 45-year-old man, just watching my children at the age of one, three, five, seven, doing silly things. Uh, and you realize just where their mannerisms come from. And I think that they're absolutely, they're, they're mirrors, they're sponges to everything that you put into them. Uh, good and the bad, and you, you know that when your child comes back with one of your worst traits, it hurts the most, right? And it's just about, you know, it's the fruits of the Spirit for me. It is about trying to exercise compassion. It's about having patience, which is really difficult as a parent, uh, and just kindness and kind words, because when we see our children fighting, we, are so, you know, we see some of the things that we've put upon them, and I think it's just that that, that can be a very good kind of incentive to, to try and speak love over them. Mm. Okay, yeah, that's been helpful to think about some of the pressures. Um, so I guess we'll move on to what, what can a parent do? If this is the state of it, if this is what our children are facing out there, what can we actually do? Um, we asked some people on the staff team what they felt was the most important, was the key thing when they were young that made a difference so that they're still walking with the Lord now. Um, <clears throat> So, for example, mine was definitely my youth group. I had such a great... I wasn't from a Christian family, but I went along to the local church, to Sunday school and the youth group. I adored that youth group. We became such good friends. We're going on holiday with them again in the summer, you know, still now in our 40s. Tim, you said the same for you. It was youth group, wasn't it? Um, so for Jacob, our youth pastor, it was one individual from his church, not from his family, but an individual from his church who took time out to take him out for coffee regularly and to disciple him. That made the difference for him. Um, for Janet, our operations manager, it was youth group, but specifically a lively, child-friendly church and his dad praying with him every night. Those are the things that they felt really made them carry on with their faith when they were older. Jan, how about you? Yeah, I, for me personally, it was, it was reading my Bible um, every evening and, um, and I was involved in the choir. I was involved in Sunday school. Um, <clears throat> and I've been asking people all week, actually, what... You know, if I knew they grew up in a Christian home, what, what do you think made the difference? And I was asking my own children. And we've got a little video clip, which I hope is going to kind of work, because um, my son um, sent this to me this morning after his night shift at the hospital. So um, he might look a little bleary-eyed, but he sent this little video clip. I hope it's going to work. And also his wife. So the things that I think really helped uh, 
helped me take my faith into my adult life when I was growing up. The first thing was um, going to the New Wine Conferences uh, every summer as a kid. In fact, I think the first time I gave um, my, I said the prayer of giving my life to God was uh, at rock solid uh, during one of the uh, summers that I was at New Wine. I think the second thing would be that um, from quite a young, or just doing, you know, doing the words. Um, so because I was kind of involved in church, it kind of, it meant a little bit more to me. Uh, third thing that really helped was um, we would regularly pray at breakfast together with mum and dad. Um, and I think just having that pattern where we prayed every single day uh, about what we were going to do uh, was really good. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'd say was, um, again, uh, when I was like at youth group age, I actually started going to the evening service, just the normal adult service as well. And I think that that helped me when I went to university and that I wasn't just going straight from a youth group to being put in church, but actually I was already used to being part of the church family, uh, on my kind of on my own terms. Um, and was used to a, a, a normal service as it were. So yeah, I think those are the main things that helped me. Do we have the other one? Um, Most influential things for me would be, um, one, having really solid friendships um, and having the time to nourish these outside of church. Um, two, having parents that were really open about their um, faith journey and um, giving time to, uh, to me and my sister for ex to explore it. And thirdly, just being part of the church family that were like my parents and people that were like my sisters and sisters and brothers that actually weren't my family but acted like it most don't that's great <clears throat> so alice said there didn't she the church the church was all part um of what made a difference for her not just her parents but the whole church and i think that's really a message that we want to really come across today is that we're all part of this Okay, um, I'm going to ask the panel to whiz through the, the answers to this next question, because I'm aware of time. Um, <clears throat> so I've asked each of them to pick out one major lesson, one major thing um, that they would want to highlight about raising children for um, a lifetime of faith. Tim? It's just that I think Graham already said it. You model. Um, if you want your children to pray, you've got to pray, and you've got to pray with them. If you want your children to, to seek God's guidance for their future, then you've got to be seeking God's guidance for your future and letting them see that that's what you're doing and involving them in the process. Brilliant. Jan? Uh, ben mentioned analysis as well, the um, Christian conferences. I think um, I know schedule. Um, when you want family holidays, when you want to visit family, whatever it is you're planning to do, it costs to set aside time to go to a Christian conference like New Wine or Spring Harvest. Um, but it really pays dividends. It's very planning your um, summer plans to factor in something that's going to really help your kids. Um, and uh, Ben also mentioned that everyday prayer. Um, and I, I actually believe that praying with them and praying for them are the two most precious things. I met with a friend regularly to pray for my kids. She had similar age kids and we prayed them through everything that happened in their week and I really believe that made a difference. Brilliant. Karen Graham? 
I think uh, for me, uh, I wasn't brought up in a, in a Christian household, but I do have a very strong sense of who I am and how I was, how I was brought up and the love that I, I experienced. But I think it wasn't until I became a parent that I realized just how much my parents loved me and how many sacrifices they would make. But I also know that the way I was parented is, you know, it kind of influences the way that I parent now. So it makes me think twice. I think, you know, actually the way that I'm going to parent my children will, will influence the way they parent their children. So all my actions, all my words will have an influence on my grandchildren as well. So just, just appreciating the length and, and the depth of words that you have. Yeah, prayer definitely for me. And we um, have quiet time at uh, half past six every morning with each other for them. And then if the boys are up, um, they'll come and pray with us. But I would just really value... Um, advice on how to pray more with my children like I'll pray over them um, for specific things or pray with them but because they take themselves to bed we don't do that bedtime prayer anymore do you know what I mean so um, like just feeling like that's enough would would be great and um, just that uh, Romans 12 of just pray, place your every day your your run-of-the-mill life you're getting up and just trying to follow that that's been my lesson could I just add, mm. um, it's difficult because I don't want to sort of anyone to feel got at, but can I just make a plea for this as a dad? Dads, don't leave praying with your kids to mom. Children grow up thinking Christianity is a girl's thing. It's a guy's thing. Amen. And children get, the children need to, I know it's difficult because often men are going out to work really early and maybe the children are in bed when you come back late. I understand that. Creep into their room, kneel by their bedside. It doesn't matter if they're not even awake. You just go and you just lay a hand on them and you pray. If you don't know what to pray, ask me. I'll give you some prayers, some model prayers. You can pray. Because I understand it can be difficult, but we, we've got to do it, men. We've got to be seen to take that lead. I don't want to get into the whole you know, male sort of headship. It's not about that. It's about being responsible in the family for my role within it as a, as a dad, as a man. And our, our resources, or you just want, what do I pray for my kids? I'll tell you prayers. Go into their rooms. I prayed for my kids when they were fast asleep. I'd lay a hand on them, and I'd pray. I'd just ask for God's blessing on them. I'd pray for the, for the woman, that, woman they would marry one day. I prayed for them at, the, at an early age. I had no end take, taking that responsibility within our families to do that. Just wanted to get that in. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> um, and I... Um, I guess the difficult question is, what about when our children say they don't want to come to church? What about when they walk away? What do we do with that? I don't want to say, use all the airtime. Um, I, this is really difficult, and it does not mean that you have failed. I don't think this is about putting pressure on parents. Many of you sitting here will be thinking, great, you know, now I feel I came to church this morning, and, you know, I'm not, my kids aren't necessarily, um, you know, doing all this stuff I'd like them to. You know, what have I done wrong? Maybe nothing. We said children are going to be free to make their own choices. We can't cajole or force. Um, I, I absolutely get that. Um, but, and I think, how much do you force or pressurize your children? You, you, you can't. We, we said to our kids, at, was it 14? We said to them, you don't need to come to church now. If you don't want to move up into the next level youth group, you don't have to. We're going to love you and we'll support you whether you choose to come to church ever again or not. I want you to know that. Although you're pastor's kids, you've grown up in a vicarage, you're free. From next Sunday onwards, if you just want to stay in bed Sunday morning, you know what? 
We'd love you not to, but we're going to love you just the same. And we want you to know that we don't love you because we're hoping you'll be little Christians. We love you because you're our children, and we're absolutely committed to that. We gave our children a choice, and we'd already decided what we're going to do. If they decide not to go ever again, we'll keep praying for them, but we will accept and respect their choice. That was what we did as a family. Actually, both our boys chose to continue going to church, and we were thrilled to bits with that. But we know better parents than us, for whom it hasn't worked out like that. So we know that none of this guarantees anything, but it's doing what we can, isn't it? We're not responsible for the outcome, but we are responsible to do what God has called us to do. And I think that's important. And I'll just add a note as a children's um, coordinator here at Christchurch, that my goal is to make sure that we put on the best possible Kingdom Kids groups that we can. And I know Jacob is of the same opinion with youth. We will do our very best to make sure that what we do here is fun and enjoyable and supportive. But we know we don't always succeed. And if, we have a pro- if you have a problem or your child has a problem, please come and talk to us and we will do our best to resolve it. We don't want that to be putting off your children coming to church on Sunday. And we're going to move on to what can we all do? Um, because we're going to run out of time and we really want to pray into this issue as well. Um, if there's stuff that comes up, then, then talk about it over coffee. They, we're, t- we're scratching the surface here. There's loads more to cover. Um, but what can we all do? So Jan, I guess, as um, you, know, you head up the children's work here, um, what would you say to us as a church? If it takes a church to raise a Christian child, then what can we do? Maybe we haven't got children. We come along on a Sunday morning. What can mm. we do? Well, um, I think I've said a few of those things. We can enthusiastically take part in the all-age parts of our service or when we have a whole all-age service. Don't stay at home and think this is not for me. Um, We need you. We need you to be there. We need you to be um, enthusiastically taking part and saying that this matters. Um, And you can pray. You can pray for us as leaders. You can pray for the children. And my final thing I want to say is um, it takes um, 50 volunteers to run our children's groups. We have seven groups running every Sunday. That's a lot of volunteers um, are needed. So if you think that you could possibly give one hour per month to come and help with one of those groups, right at this moment, many of the groups are short of helpers and volunteers to come and help You don't have to prepare anything. You can just be a helper. We need people to do that. And if you think you could do that, or at a one-off event, just come and tell me. I would absolutely love to have more people willing to help with what we do with the children and youth. What can we all do? Just smile at children when you see them after church now. Just smile at them. Don't be irritated when they run into you and spill your coffee. Just... (laughs) But it's, it's modeling simple. You know, we all like to think it's a big thing that's going to make our children. It isn't. It's loads of little things. It's the way we are with our children. They're not trying to mess up your, your Sunday morning coffee. Uh, they're just excited. And I want our kids to look forward to coming to church. Sometimes I see kids running up and down. And I know some people say, oh, shouldn't you stop them? And I think, yeah, probably I should. But I don't want church to be all about no. I want church to be, this is my place.
Uh, you know, and I, so it's a balance. We want our kids to be safe, but I want them to, to look forward to coming to Christchurch and to think, you know, this is my place as well. Um, and so we want to get that balance right. And, um, and, and I just want to say, I know you want to move us on, but I just want to say to parents, I, I absolutely, we've got friends, really great friends, um, several lots of friends. We've got loads of friends, but some we've got some great <laughs> friends um, who... Whose, whose children haven't chosen to continue in their Christian faith. And we understand there'll be loads of people here thinking, well, my children, you know, they're 18, 19, they're not walking with the Lord, and I feel terrible. Don't feel terrible. Um, it, this is not meant to, 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 to condemn anyone. And remember, life, it's a long race. We meet people on alpha courses in their 30s and 40s all the time wanting to return to the faith they once had. It's not parent. You're still, even when they're 30, and we're discovering this now, you never stop being parents. You never stop aching for your children. Keep praying for them. Even if they're 20, 30, 40, keep praying for them. Your job isn't done as a parent yet. It's a long race. They can come back to Christ, and we see that happening all the time, don't we? People say, I once knew this. I once believed this. I think it's time to reconnect with my faith again. So please don't be discouraged, but just think, what can I do from here on? That's what counts, doing what you can from now on. Yeah, that's great. Um, we want to leave you with some practical things because it might be that you've heard something you think, yeah, I just want to... I think what we're saying is we need to be intentional about this, isn't it? You know, as parents, let's be intentional about passing our faith to our kids. And as a church, let's be intentional about all having a part to play. Um, so a couple of practical things from me. This is a book I recommend, which is called Sacred Parenting by a guy called Gary Thomas. Um, I read it on some holiday last year, and it has really, really impacted me. It's not about how to be a parent. It's about how God uses us being parents to shape us and form us um, through all those trials and joys. Um, that really made me see parenting in a different way, so I highly recommend that one. called Raising Faith, um, and it's written by Care for the Family, a brilliant organization. Um, they've written a whole course, video course as well, which you can do. But I've got lots of copies. We've got about 20 copies of these available. And we've got them, they're, they're actually half price. We've got them for £2.50. So come to the bookstore if you'd like to buy one of those today. And it's got loads of help for particularly people parenting alone. It's got help for people um, who've adopted children. It's got people... Uh, help for people with children with additional needs, all kinds of help in that book. It's brilliant. Um, <clears throat> this is also a book by New Wine, which is an amazing um, top tips for parents. There's 20 top tips in there. And this one here is called Sticky Faith. It's actually practical ideas. So when Tim was talking about prayer and you think, I don't know how to pray for my kids, this book is full of ideas. So we've got um, a couple of copies of that on the bookstore, or you can just get it from Amazon. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to tell you mostly about is something called the Kitchen Table Project. Who's heard of the Kitchen Table Project? Brilliant. I'm so glad to hear a website, and you get a monthly email, and that is like top tips for parents that have come from all the experts and all the research, and it's brilliant, it's full of brilliant ideas. So there's some very practical things that you can do. Brilliant, and finally, Karen and Graham, I get the sense, I know you and your boys a little bit, and I get the sense that you're very much, just as a family, always trying to point things back to God, you know, whatever the daily life situation is. Is that what you'd say is a kind of practical thing? Yeah, because we are the alpha people. We, you know, 
I was away from faith for 20 years and came back and Gray um, wasn't in a Christian household at all. So um, we know what life is without God and we really want God to be a part of our boys' lives. And it's um, getting them to pray for us um, and then saying to them, thank you for praying for me because that was such an answer to prayer today and pointing, you know, thank you, Jesus, uh, you know, for the parking space. And even when we have builders in our house, our builders got to say praise the Lord because in everything it's like wow praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord (laughs) and so it's just making the praise the part of everything and pointing to him the whole time so they are fully aware at every single moment a lot of the time but um, that's just what we're doing brilliant and should we say thank you to these guys that's really helpful thank you If the bands um, would like to come up, we would really like to pray into this. Um, so you, it might be that you're sitting there thinking, that's all very well, but my, my chance has been and gone, and my kids are not now walking with the Lord. And what we want to do this morning is invite you to come up so that someone can come and stand with you in that, in that pain and disappointment and to pray and to say, like Tim said, it's not over. It's not over yet. We're starting from where we are now. And no matter how old your children are, they might be teenagers, they might be grown up, might be in all sorts of situations. But we start from here and now, and we pray together. There's absolutely no judgment here. We simply want to stand with you and pray that your child or children would come to the Lord or come back to the Lord, don't we? Yeah, there's a strong prayer, isn't there, about the prodigals returning. And we just want to pray that, that God will be that, that kind of spirit that God stirs up in the lives of people who become dissatisfied. You know, the, the prodigal son, he, he came to his senses. And we want to pray that there'll be a coming to our senses um, for, for the children. If you're in my church and I'm your vicar, I'm your kid's vicar, whether they're five years old or 50 years old, I'll be their vicar too. And if they're not walking with the Lord, I want to pray with you for them because they're our children. So should we stand together? And, and we just want the privilege of, of praying. So if, you, if you'd like to uh, come, uh, just let us pray with you for your children. We're not going to ask you any questions. We're just going to stand with you that God will give you the grace maybe to keep praying and keep hoping where you've maybe felt, you know, is there any hope? We just, we just believe there is always uh, because we see it. We see people coming back to faith all the time. So um, come and let us pray. We're going to gather around you and we're going to pray for the return of the prodigals.